to have no regrets in 15 seconds. And I wish when I was a senior high and junior high that someone told me that. Because I was just like that guy. I took all the APs, an on-roll student. I started my own business when I was a sophomore in high school, helped read jobs by the time I was a senior. Got accepted into nearly every college I applied for, applied to, and then when I got into college, I took 19 credits my first semester with four hours rehearsal each night, two a days at the gym. And I'm standing on the stage telling you that I was successful. I had money in my bank account. I had dreams I was pursuing. But to this day, there's not one person from junior high that I'm still in contact with. In fact, there's not one person in my senior high class with whom I still speak to. And in college, I don't have any of their numbers anymore. I wasted the first 20 years of my life doing things that the world taught me to do. Be successful, get this, get that, get this diploma. Okay, 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 I got it, I got it. And then I reached it and I was utterly lonely at the end and I totally missed the purpose that God had for me. We're going through the engagement project in senior high and junior high and something we're learning is what is our purpose? What is our purpose in this world? In, in this book, in this crazy big book full of 66 other books, it gives us 613 different commandments in the Old Testament. And Jesus summarizes it down to two. How does it go all this? By loving God and loving others. And what does he say? Love is excessive. Love yourself. Build the American dream life for yourself. Yet this is what our world tells us to do. So today, we're going to be talking about friendship and action. We're going to be talking about relationships. And I'm going to be talking about knowing others so that they know they are known. Because I wasted a lot of time. I put my tasks at a higher priority than other people. I put tasks at a higher priority than Jesus. In fact, I didn't even have a relationship with him. And in other words, I put myself at a higher priority than others and a higher priority than Jesus. So if someone told me that at 23 years old I'd be standing up here teaching about friendship, I probably would have left. Because friendships actually don't really come very naturally for me. Like I said, I'm a pretty task-oriented person. So driving towards relationships is not like a goal in my life. So I'll just show you a little picture of me. This is me in the red. And me and my best friend, Teresa, who's my sister. She's my best friend because like, I, didn't, I didn't really want any other friends. She and I were ride or die. And my family was such a tight-knit circle. Because I was too afraid to go outside my family if I could be completely honest. If you would have asked me at that age, I would have told you that making friends is the most anxiety-ridden process that a human being can endure. I don't know if any of you guys were like me at the age where I was a total introvert. And I was like, I just, you say, I don't think you want to talk to anybody. Don't, don't talk to me. Oh, I have to make friends. Even if cousins came over, like I'd run up to my bed and be like, I have to play my room. Like I did not like engaging with other people. So I go really, really hard into my tasks. And about so about like 11 years old, this was my story. My mom came to me one day, and she noticed that I had really bad social anxiety. So she challenged me. She's like, Christina, I want you to meet people. And I said, oh, I'm not going to meet anyone long, long And she said, okay, I want you to wave and say hi and smile to everyone you know. And you guys know me today. I do that with a lot of you guys think I'm weird for it. You're like, Christina, I wasn't even looking at you. Why are you trying to get my attention? It's because it's something that I learned that was super applicable that mom comes with it. And then she followed up. If you know their name, say it. How could I be in Food Lion out in public and I knew someone's name but they didn't know mine and have to get their attention? 
hi, Emily from math class, okay, bye. Like, what am I gonna do? And I said, keep saying hi, say my name if you know it. And I learned the more that I took time to know people, they ended up knowing me. I went to Stonehill Middle School, and when I was in eighth grade, people let go stingrays. And uh, by the time I was in eighth grade, people thought that I was a new student. They didn't know that I was in the same class with them since elementary school because I never said hi to them. But now here I'm saying hi. So today we're going to be diving into something. I'm kind of going to go over like meta, like the broad statement of friendship. Why does it? Why? Why are we? Why are we different towards friendship? I'm going to be talking about the concept of being known. It's actually a core need for us fundamentally. Why has God driven in us? A soul craving to be known and to know others. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that today. There's actually a quote. It's from Liverpool John Moore University. It talks about how there's three psychological needs. One is being known that is universally important to well-being. And this goes on today. This is kind of crazy that they're the same as physiological needs. So the same way that you guys crave cupcakes is the same way that you guys crave bread. Isn't that crazy? We could go days without food in the same core need of us needing to be known again. What the world tells us is we are just known of, that's it, right? If we're just TikTok influencers, oh, we'll be known, we'll feel that way. Or if we're just known for our good looks, or good academics, or whatever it is, fill in the blank there, then you'll be known. But there's actually a difference. And I'm going to call that today head knowledge and heart knowledge. To be known of is not the same as being known. No matter what society tells you, I have felt it deep inside. A lot of you guys have too. Every human being just wants to be known and understood. So being known of is like a celebrity. Like think of your favorite YouTuber. You know, you probably know their favorite snack. You probably know what time they go to bed. You probably know all the stuff because they're probably like bloggers who fill you on in every detail of their life. But they don't know you. You guys aren't any type of relationship. This is like a celebrity that you know facts about. Now to be known. Heart knowledge is to be an intimate relationship with someone. That's actually how Jesus knows you. God doesn't just know of you guys. He knows you. And we're going to be diving into today, Psalm 139 to talk about this concept of being known. So if you have your Bible, please head there to Psalm 139. Now, I'm going to do something a little crazy. I'm not putting the verses on the screen. And there's a little bit of a reason why uh, to challenge you guys to bring your Bibles. Because what I love, when you guys have your tangible Bible, you can get your phone, get out the YouVersion Bible app, and put it in a different translation than you have not read. One of my favorite things of doing that is I'm going to read it out loud in the ESV, and I want you guys to follow along whatever translation you have and see what's different. Okay, something might come out to you that sounds a little different, right? You might catch it a little bit differently. Make sense? Now, if you guys have a pen or a pencil, I want you guys to grab it. And I want you to circle, if you guys are okay with writing your Bibles, okay, if you're not, circle every time you see the word know, K-N-O-W, or variants of that word like knowledge, okay? Once you get there, let me know. Give me a thumbs up if you get a turn there. Psalm 139. Give me a few thumbs up. Okay, then I am going to pray. Father, before we dive into this Bible study, Lord, I just pray and I acknowledge that your word is holy. A human being teaching about it is uh, hard, it's difficult, Father. It is your word which is so holy. So, God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding 
an aspect of Holy Spirit because of the clarity of what you said. And I ask Father, help me to understand what it is to be in relationship with you, in relationship with others. So Father, speak to everyone in this room. May it not be my voice I hear, but the Lord. God, we love you and we thank you for sharing your faith in your name. Amen. Oh, thank you. Psalm 139, 1 through 18. I got people back there helping me. Did I forget? Okay. Start off in verse 1. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Now, I kind of want to stop here for a second. I'm going to stop a little bit while we're talking about this. There's something that culture tells us that I love to break. They say there's pink parts of the Bible and there's blue parts. Okay? So, pink parts. A lot of times when I go to like women's conferences or Bible studies, or like if there's a book written by a woman, I'm going to bet you a nickel. Okay, that's probably all I have. Um, that is about Esther, Ruth, Proverbs 31, or Psalm 139. This is all we cover as human beings as females, it seems like. And I want to tell you today that those passages are just as meant for us as they are for men. And every other part in the Bible, like Joshua and okay, yes. They are for women just as much as they are for men. I don't want you guys to be biblically literate in four parts of the Bible to 66 other books. So today I was like, am I really going to go through Psalm 139? I prayed the Lord up. I just really don't want to go through this again. And he was like, Christina, read the verses. A lot of times we use this, and I use this passage for insecurity. And it's great to make you insecure. But it's actually not about your beauty. It is about God knowing you. Do you guys know the author of this passage is actually not a female? Was a man, and he was a warrior. He's like a green beret in the military, like a big deal. This guy has battle scars. He has blood pumped in him. He's a king of one of the most important nations in history, the most important nation in the Bible, and he wrote this passage. So it's tough. So we're gonna dive in. Follow me again to Psalm uh, 139, verse two. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. I'm going to pause there. When I was in high school, there was this thing that went around in social media and it was actually pretty cool, a pretty cool hypothetical. And it said, if every word you said was tattooed on your body, would you change what you said? And I love that. Because I don't have my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to drop today. I don't want them to read that. I said that about that. Or even how I thought about myself. Oh, I'm not going to judge myself because imagine, Christina, you're ugly. Like, being tattooed on her? No, this is beautiful. This is what I'm going to tattoo. And it's just a hypothetical that kind of helped me in good morals. But what the Bible says here, is that that's not true, it's not tattooed on our body, but God has a record of it. If the Lord of all hosts has a record of every word he said, will he speak differently? And even more than that, not only does he know every word he says, he knows every thought. How crazy is that? Okay, verse 5. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon, lay your hand upon me. Such Knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. That uh, that phrase, hem me in behind me before, is actually another translation you might say hedge. You guys might have that in your transition. It basically means to come around like a protective barrier. If you look at the legal term for hedging in, it basically means that you cannot change or you cannot go outside these 
not do that thing, right? That's God's protection of you. He goes in behind you to destroy you. He knows your complete irrelevability. Verse 7. Now David's like, I don't know what to do about this. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. You could go to the Pacific Ocean, go in a submarine, hide in a closet inside the submarine, turn off all the lights, and the Lord will still see you as bright as day. Isn't that crazy? And I'm just saying this to say, if you don't believe in the Lord, that's not going to stop him from actually existing. If you deny the Lord, that doesn't mean that he's not there. If you ignore him when you don't obey him, that doesn't mean that he just runs away. That means he's still there. He still knows exactly where you are and what you're doing. And on the other end, if you guys are in a dark place in life right now, perhaps there is a sin and you feel like the Lord can't forgive you of that. You feel such a presence from you. Because even the darkness that you might be in in life is a bright of light for God. He sees you. You can escape him in the most beautiful way he cares for you. Verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricate and woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written for each one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. God knows you better than you can know you. Isn't that crazy? God knows you better than you know you. God knew you before your parents even knew of you. Isn't that insane? Before you even placed in your mother's womb, God knew. He knew every day that you would live. He knew what you would live up to doing now. He knew your unformed substance to be made and created, placed in your mother's womb, so that he may be known and you will make him known. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. God knows us. God has a heart knowledge of us. And he asks for the same in return. We all desire to be fully known, fully loved. And up until about 20 years old, I always thought that friendship was about me. Love me, know me, please. Love me, please. That was kind of my way. But what if friendship, what if relationship was about us knowing others? What about if our relationship with God wasn't just, oh, God, know me, love me, boo. But it was about, God, I'm going to know you. Let's get to know each other. Let's hang out. I'm going to know who you are. And that tripped me up for a long time. The thought that I had to know. But the thing is, we have to know others just as God knows us. Just get to know people as God knows us. God knows you. He formed you. He loves you. When I was at Virginia Tech studying acting, so I went to Virginia Tech, I studied acting, and it was kind of my thing. I was told by some mentors to go and pursue it, to go move to Los Angeles and go try it out. I was like, yes. More accomplishments, I can do it. That's the hardest thing ever to do. So I moved to Los Angeles. I'm like, it's gonna happen. I'm gonna have my career by 18 years old. And uh, it was really tough. 
No one tells you the real world is really hard. It's really tough. I had to learn how to pay rent. I had to learn how to keep myself safe, uh, how to cook, you know, these different things that were really difficult. And on top of that, I was uh, auditioning and auditioning and auditioning and auditioning, grinding, 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 doing everything that I could to be successful. And I have this vivid memory of me driving down the Los Angeles interstate in the state of Los Angeles. And I just remember thinking, it's been three months since I hung out with someone. It's been three months since I've talked to a friend. It's been three months since I felt the touch of another human being. And my life ended up being really tough. But the hardest thing for me was loneliness. Terrible loneliness. But in this time, the Lord was so good. It actually ended up being a very difficult journey. But through that time, I found the Lord. I said, God, I think it's my will. If it's my will, I can get it done, whatever that thing is. But if it's God's will, it will make a way for God. I surrender to you. He chased after me. I ended up getting my life to him. And that was true. But when I gave my life to him, everyone was against me. My family didn't support my faith. So the only relationships that I had thousands of miles away were being torn. But Christ was worth it. Why? Because the Bible is true in all its ways. Psalm 25, 14 says, The Lord is a strength to those who fear him. He keeps us under covenant. So I just want to share this to say, if anyone's feeling lonely, maybe you're in between friend groups, maybe you're at a new school, maybe you're here to senior high, and you're like, ah, I'm so baby Paul, and I'm scared. If you just feel lonely, the Lord is a strength. And I know this to be true. The Lord himself in that time comforted me in ways I'd never known. The Lord himself knew me in ways every human longs to be known. I could have been forgotten by the world, but the Lord of hosts knew my name and wanted to spend time with me. This was crazy. The Lord himself taught me his word. I did not have a friend. I was not a part of church. I did not have a mentor, a leader. All these things were great, but I could not find them. The Lord was keeping me lonely for some reason, and I learned by this Bible, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I was in relationship with him when everyone was against me. In the loneliness of the world, I trust the richness of heaven. Because I have to learn that the Lord will never leave me, the Lord will take me. He is a friend to those who fear me. But every day, I still get up and out of my knees because I was desperate. And I said, Lord, be friends, please. Every day and every night, I pray. I said, Lord, I want a community that's going to push me closer to you. You know me, so I want them to know me, and I want to know them. And it took me some time to answer this prayer. Uh, actually, two and a half years. And then COVID happened. Oh my gosh. So then I moved back home, and the first church that opened its doors, I was running in because I was expected for God to answer the prayer. I'm like, Lord, you're going to give me good friends. You're going to give me good friends. I stepped into the ministry, and the click just started happening. I thought I was going to like make friends. And then no one said hi to me. I was obviously the new kid. Like, everyone apparently knew each other. And people saw me really amazing. I tried including myself in conversations, but was a little nervous that it would say, that's like one woman text. Okay. I just kind of sat and I remember laying against the brick wall outside and being like, this is so humiliating. I really thought God was going to answer my prayer through all this loneliness. No one even recognized me as the quiet instant. And I went home because I was living with my parents with COVID and I was like, I'm never doing that again. I'm leaving them like a bed. Never ever see lonely for the rest of my life. And my mom said, no, you're going back. My mom was just down. She's very good at it. And I said, okay, mom, I'll 
this guy, this guy named Justin, went on stage. He's like, um, so hey guys, uh, we don't play uh, sports on Friday nights. Uh, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to like say this. Uh, so uh, if you want to come hang out with us, we want to look good. And I was like, so I went up to Justin. I was like, girls play? And he's like, yeah, of course we play. I was like, I'll be there. And I went on a Friday night, and I didn't know a single person, and I drove up, and I was like, this is so humiliating. And I sat on the edge of the basketball court. Thinking like, oh, this is just gonna be like that fun. It's gonna really play, right? These guys are dunking on each other, covered in sweat, and I'll throw the little bandana. And you're like, oh, did I play? Like, I didn't want to say. I was about to leave. I felt so like out of place. And Justin saw me, and he did something profound. He looked at me, smiled, waved, and said, "To this day, that makes me emotional." Because I, he didn't know my backstory, he didn't know the loneliness I was fighting, he didn't know the advice that my mother gave me when I was 11, that he used for me. And after that basketball game, guys, I'm a girl playing with like six foot tall, like I'm not playing well. They're encouraging me, they're inviting me to play the whole way. I've never experienced this before in my life, this was crazy. Afterwards, y'all had chick legs, and I was like, I'm so bold with the Tiger's clips, and I have no friends. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, we know the clips, that's why we do this. And we got together as a friend group, and we said, we need to change this. There are so many people who are fighting with loneliness epidemic because of COVID. We can't be at church just for ourselves. And here was a picture of us just a couple weeks later. We got some girls. Let's go. We played basketball with us. And we all ended up coming. There was 11 people to start with. And it ended up becoming a ministry. It wasn't funded. It wasn't through the church. It was a bunch of guys and girls. Getting together at 5:30 p.m. on Friday night. This group of 11 people turned into a group today over 400 people. All because we came for the mission. We are going to know people so that they know they are known. We had felt the loneliness of the world, and we didn't want other people to feel that. What you have a church in your life, God often changes through your ministry. We had all been lonely at some part of the world, and we decided every time that someone would come into church, we'd say hi to their name. We weren't there to socialize. We were there, hey, 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 you be part of my Bible study. You come hang out with us. You like food? We go get food. We did everything we could. It, didn't, it wasn't even in the church. We'd go out to brunch. If the waitress or waiter was our age, you know what we do? You like sports? Yeah, that's cool. What about play sports? Guys, this transformed Bible study after Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. It was insane. These are pictures of people getting baptized after baptism after baptism. We had a usual spot for baptism because people gave their life to Christ. Why? We weren't going around saying, believe in Christ, repent of your sins. We're saying, you want to hang out? And then we prayed with them. We helped them. We cared for them. We had a little ministry going on in our church. My husband was a part of it where we would say, hey, you're a guy. You went for New Tech. My husband went for New Tech. Bam, connection. And we would make friends. This ministry still goes on today. Every Friday, 5.30, they play sports. And people have come to found the world because they just need a friend. Oh, Christina, that sounds too good, teacher. Uh, I can do it, but there's no potential teacher. Well, what if? Just hear me out. What if you went to church? You were the girl that you saw sitting alone. What if? It's very nerve-wracking for you, but you're like, Lord, I know you call me to do this, so I'm going to go do it. And you want to sit with her. And you don't know what to say, but the Lord gives you words, and you're like, hey, have I seen you before? Like, whatever you, whatever comes out. And she says, no, but I'm actually new here. 
you say, hey, why don't you sit with my friend? Now, let's just see what one small act of obedience can do. What if, what if this happened and she ends up joining your friend group? Guys, we're in the same Bible study together. And what if you found out that she was actually out of town and wasn't planning on staying? She was visiting her friends and her family. So what if, let's just, let's just be crazy with it. What if she ends up being deployed? Join my friend group. And what if, therefore, I crush on her. And what if they start falling in love? And what if they got married? Now, what if you were a bridesmaid in that wedding? No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. What if she needed a job? And what if a small little church hired her and uh, they said, We want you to go and know people so that they know they know? And she goes, Okay. And she takes that job. Now, what if this whole time you guys are friends? Yeah, this is just bear with me. This is like years in advance. I know it's kind of crazy. What if you needed a job? And what if this retired you full time? And she's part time. But what if you look after you start full time? She started full time. And what if she needs an office space? Guys, I know this is so crazy. And what if you guys are sharing an office and every day you are reminded of the first person you ever reached out to? And now this is your literal life's work. And what if every day you go into the office and you're reminded of to know people so that they know they're known? That's crazy. Once more off the obedience to go that whole way. Well, um, that's very sweet. These people look familiar to you. <laughs> Emily Fowler, guys, I went to her red and nervous. First person I ever reached out to. She was just visiting for California. And you know who she is today? The junior high female youth associate going out and making disciples and having a ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. Both and no people. Because it changes people's lives. It does work in God's kingdom. Don't be in your head. Just do it. Look weird while doing it. Who cares? I'm weird. It's cool, right? Go ahead and do it. So if you guys would just mind dying, just pray for me, or pray with me, for me, if you like, that'd be good. Um, my Emily comes up to stage and shares some practical lessons on how we can actually join your friends. Dear God, I thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for just your mighty work, God. I thank you, Father, that you have given us a mission that we see what we're supposed to do. <laughs> to make friends and to know others so that they know you, God. You can do that by the power of your Holy Spirit. So, Father, with your Holy Spirit in us, Move us to go engage the people around us, God. So Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your name. Amen. Beep, 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 beep. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that her her simple like act of like, hey, do you want to come sit with me? Literally changed my whole life. And that was all part of God's will. Let me see. Let's see how cool this is. If I know how to work this. Wait, what did I do? Did I break it? Hey, look at those of each other's weddings. Yeah, so let me share just a little bit of like my side of how that went down. So I was going to be in Virginia for two months, and I was going to go back home to California. And um, I was I was determined to not make any friends. I didn't want to put any roots down in Virginia. I was just going to go um, and just work and then go home. Let things cool off at home and then like go back. And the lady I was living with was like, hey, you really need to make friends. And I was like, hmm, no, I, I really don't. Okay. 
She's like, no, like go to Forest and then I'll just go make a friend. I was like, okay, I'll say that I went, I'll go, I'll sit me back, and then that'll be that, and check, and then I'll go home. Um, and so I ended up getting there 30 minutes early, and waited in my car, petrified, ended up being 30 minutes late, because I was just so scared, and uh, got out of the car, finally, super nervous, and Christina was passing the parking lot, and she just gave me a smile, or a wave, something really warm, and I was like, go inside, loser. I'm like, okay, I'll sit me back. And I went to sit there. And uh, she came and she found me. She's like, where do I know you from? And I was like, hey, I moved here yesterday. You don't know me. You don't know me. Um, and she was like, oh, like, well, do you want to come sit with me and friends? And then it was like, hey, do you want to um, come to my Bible study? Do you want to come to my get-together? She was so intentional. And that is what lies at the heart of each relationship, um, is intentionality. And we'll get back to that. Um, so... Going off of what Christina said, um, the verse that she shared, Psalm 25, 14, um, a friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. He makes known to them his covenant. And when it says fear him, it's like, God, you're so scary. Please don't hurt me. Uh, I could not figure, what, figure out what that meant. It just meant to acknowledge just who he is. If he created me and, like, has his plan for my life and, like, my, I, I don't know what the future holds. Like, I could die in, like, five minutes. I don't know, like. God has that power, just simply acknowledging who he is and fearing him. But the fact that he wants a friendship with me, just, I didn't get that. Um, and so he does. He wants a relationship with you. The whole Bible talks about his steadfast love for you. What Christina shared, Psalm 139, like God loves you and he knows you and he wants a relationship with you. And that is the most important friendship you will ever have. I want you guys to raise your hands. If you have a lifelong friend, raise your hand. Okay, I don't. I don't have one. That's okay. But I have Christ, and that is the most important friendship ever. That is your lifelong friend. He loves you so, so much, and he wants a relationship with you. Think of your friend. Think of your best friend. You want to hang out with her all the time. You want to go to the Starbucks, go watch a movie. Like, you want to, like, text her. You just want to be with her. She's great. Um... But think of God, like, are you, if you're calling yourself a Christian, if you're, if you're a daughter of Christ, are you spending that time with your Savior? Are you praying? Are you in the Word? Are you hanging out with your friend? God, guys, make him your lifelong friend. Be intentional with him. Um, he calls us to friendship, uh, to fellowship. Not me. All right. I should have, like, had you guys open your Bible and get that, too. So, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all the people will know that you are my disciples, and if you have love, if you have love for one another. Um, lost my train of thought. If you have like like a, a relationship with Christ. And you love Christ, that will slow your, your relationship with Christ, that will flow into all of your other friendships. That will bleed into all of your other friendships. Um, the fact that you're loving one another shows the world, the fact that there's love in the world is only because God loves you. Um, and so if you're loving your friend, like that just points it all back to Christ. And let that love, let the love that you and God share go into how you treat your friends, how you treat other people, how you make new friends, how you reach out and be like, hey, I'm Emily. Like, take that step. Uh, next slide. What is the root of friendship? I thought about this for a while, 
Um, it is not common interest. That's definitely part of it. Um, but I, it is acceptance and trust. If Christina had come to me and she's like, hey, like, where are you from? And I was like, you know, okay. She didn't get that acceptance from me. I don't think she would have tried again. Maybe she would have. She's bold like that. But if I was in there and if I was like, hey, like, I'm trying to be your friend. And that person's like, mm, that wasn't like a mutual acceptance. So when you meet someone and you like them and you're like, oh, hey, you're cool. I'm cool. Like, we're, this is cool. Like, we're friends. <laughs> That's awesome. And then it's a degree of trust. Like, hey, by the way, you're not like an axe murderer. Like, I can trust you with secrets, but they're like, too. Like, and from that, from that acceptance and from that trust, builds a friendship. And then it's like, oh my gosh, you like horses? I like horses. Like, common interests come and they flow. Um, and the whole reason we, we crave as humans to be known, we crave acceptance, um, to be loved. And that's in us because God put that there because He loves us because He knows us because He accepts us. Um, and that's why we have that in the first place. But He calls us to. Have friends. Um, next slide. Genesis 2.18, it is not good that man should be alone. Um, and here we know that um, God creates Eve for Adam, and that's marriage, blah, blah, blah. but no, like God calls us to be in fellowship. Um, and we kind of seem like a friendship that's kind of self-serving, like I, you know, don't always want to be alone. I don't want to come into a full room and not know anyone. Like, I kind of want to go to the first person that I know just so I'm standing with someone, right? Um, and we don't want to be alone. Like, we look for people who look at us. Hey, will you accept me? Will you accept me? That's why we have that need. Um, and I'm almost there one second. I have my sheets. <laughs> Okay, First John 1 7. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If, if, let's say, I think I think a lot of friendships um, grow out of common interests, right? Do you agree? Like, oh hey, you like you have really cool fashion? I, I like that's really cool. Like, I have really cool fashion, like let's be friends. But we have the biggest, like we share the biggest common interest in the world. We are daughters of Christ. God made us. He sent us time to die for us. Like that's the biggest common interest. And I don't understand like, why we don't share that more. Like that's so, so, so cool. And he calls us, again, to fellowship, to be um, in community with one another. Um, and yeah. I have the stages of friendships, acquaintances, uh, familiar buddies, friends, best friends. We all kind of know that. Um, and then I have lifelong friends versus friends for Zoom. This was a really big thing in my life. Like, I always wanted a lifelong friend. I'm standing up here in front of you today. I've never had a lifelong friend. And part of me is like, oh, like, I really wish I had that, you know. But my friends always loved me. And I don't know what that was. That kind of, like, led me to be, like, really insecure. Like, oh, like. What's wrong with me? And I'm believing me. And that whole time, it was God catching my attention, being like, hey, what about me? Like, I'm your best friend. I'm here for you. I love you. Like, right now, you and me need to be tight. Like, with Christina, like, God was, while she was lonely, he was after her. He was trying to get her attention. Like, hey, I'm here for you. I'm your friend. I love you. If you guys have lifelong friends, 
such a blessing. Hold on to them. That's super, super cool that you guys get to walk through life like that. But that's not a gift for everybody. So I have a question for you guys. Oh, wait, just kidding. I'm getting ahead of myself. No, I don't. I will. I will. Um, power of friendships. Okay. Whether you guys are saying, I have way too many friends, or I don't have enough friends, your friends have a lot of influence over you guys. Um, their opinions of you matter. Um, what they think of you matters. Like, you just, you have their acceptance, and that's something you never want to lose a friend. I know for me, like, if I, ever, if I had a friend, like, I never, ever wanted to lose that friend. Um, and I just, I, I craved that acceptance. And because of that, I tended to idolize my friends. Do you guys ever idolize your friends? Um, for me, I had a best friend and I kind of became like her sidekick. Like she was popular. She was pretty. She had a great body. She was smart. All the boys loved her. I was like, wow, she's really cool. It's like, wow, I can't be her friend. And then it was like, oh, hey, you're Caitlin's friend. Oh, you're Caitlin's friend. And like I, she became my identity in a way, if that makes any sense. Like she just was so cool. And so I, I let what she said about me, um, mean more to me and affect me more than what God said about me. If we got in a fight and she was like, oh, no, 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 Like, if she said something that hurt me or for whatever reason, like, made me feel like I was lesser than her, like, that, like, that was genuinely, like, I was like, wow, like, I really am worthless. God says that I'm worthy. He calls, he, he loves me, but here I am, and I'm like, oh, like, I don't know, like, she doesn't accept me, so who could accept me? I don't know. Um, your friends, if you idolize them, that's that's a tricky thing. It's definitely a real thing. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Do your guys do your friends have good morals? For me, my friends, because of their acceptance and because they weren't believers, my morals got bent to their friends. Like I bent my morals for my friends. Um, and I'll tell you a little more about that. Um, have a fun, fun verse for you guys. First Corinthians 15:35. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. My dad told me this verse every single day of high school, and I hated it. Not because it was heavily repeated, because it was true. If I was hanging out with girls and they were cussing, sometimes I didn't join in, sometimes I did. But even if I didn't, that was still part of my inner monologue. Like I was still thinking those words. Like I was still influenced by that. Your friends have a lot of power and influence on you. Um, or let's say, let's say your friend is vaping, and you're not necessarily hitting the vape, but you're keeping the secret that they have one that they're underage that is terrible for them. Um, you're still you're keeping that secret. Um, it's just it's not good. Like don't don't let your friends um, bend your morals. Um, have one thing that has stuck with me since sixth grade, and it's this quote, it's not from the Bible, I wish it was. Um, if you are not stopping it, you're okay with it. If your friends are doing something that you don't agree with, but you're not stopping it, then you're okay with it. If someone is, like the example that was given to me is like, if you're if someone's being bullied and you're watching, you're not stopping it, you're watching, you're, you're okay with it happening because you're not the one interfering. Um, and yeah, that was just like, wow. So if you're going to be influenced and your friends have such a heavy influence on you, their, their opinion of you, everything has means a lot to us, right? If you're going to be influenced, be influenced for the better. All right, 
criteria of friendship. Uh, I don't believe he does your burn out the checklist saying like, oh, I want my best friend to be popular and pretty and smart. Like, I don't think you guys are actually like, I hope it's kind of shallow, but um, that's just something that is kind of, we're naturally attracted to. It's like, oh wow, she's really cool. Like, she's popular. I kind of want to be in that crowd. Like that would be, that would be kind of cool. Like, wow, you know, I feel like that's kind of just what generally happens. It doesn't really matter if she's a believer or not. Sometimes for me, in my life, for me, um, again, like her, like my best friends, like like popularity was way more attractive to me than being the girl on the outside who was a Christian with the goody two shoes. So another reason why I let my morals kind of bend um, to my friends. What should it be? Guys, it should be um, a, another believer, a sister in Christ. That is such a huge thing. I will tell you, if I was ever insecure in like my body and who I was, and I told my non-moving friend, and I was like, oh, like, I'm really not feeling good about myself. She'd be like, oh, yeah, like, you're pretty, you're pretty. I'm like, oh, thank you. If I told my friend who, who was, if I told a sister in Christ, like, I'm really struggling with, like, my appearance and everything, and, you know, da 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 like, a sister in Christ would be like, no, like, God loves you. He made you. He intentionally designed you the way that you are, the body that you have, your insecurities. Like, he adores you. You are worthy. Um, she would point me to Christ, and that just meant so much more to me than, like, oh, yeah, you're pretty. Like, just the fact, like, that was just something that was really cool in my life. Is like, my sisters in Christ would build me up, but not just, like, oh, yeah, like, I say you're pretty. No, your father who loves you says that you're pretty. He adores you. Um, da, da, da. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, and no, as one man sharpens another. I didn't know this, I'm not super, like, truly, but only iron can sharpen iron. You can't do iron and steel, it won't work. Um, and so this is basically saying, like, and one man sharpens another, and one woman, one believer, sharpens another. We cannot look to our unbelieving friends and expect them to grow our faith. We can't expect them to share our morals. I kind of like, if I went to a private school and my best friend didn't, I wouldn't expect her to wear my uniform to school. Like, you need someone who loves Christ, who has the same morals need to build you up. So be iron. Oh wait, I'm ahead of myself. That's up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Paul is talking about his life. He's looking back and he's like, wow, like I, you know, I did this for Christ. I suffered for Christ. I lived for Christ. Um, and he is saying he kept the faith. He did what he needed for Jesus. You guys have a lot of life ahead of you, a whole lot of life ahead of you. So I would say fight the good fight. Finish the race and keep the faith. But why not do that with your sisters in Christ? The girls who are sitting right next to you are running the same race or fighting the same fight. Love God together. Um, and I would strongly say, look at these girls next to you and make them your best friends. Like, we have the biggest common interest ever. Ever. Like, so, so cool. And that should unify us. We should be, like, best, best friends. Um, so, yeah, look at these ladies. 